Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food. I'm your host, Stephanie Velarkis, accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist and director of The Dietologist, an Australian-based practice focused on optimizing fertility through nutrition. This podcast will bring you snack-sized episodes for you to learn, grow, and be inspired by the latest research, facts, and practical lifestyle tips about eating well for optimal fertility, helping you cut through the confusion and myths to take back some of the control on your fertility journey, one bite at a time. Welcome back to another episode of Fertility Friendly Food. My name is Stephanie Velarkis, expert fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist and your host. Now, before we get into today's episode all about navigating both PCOS and endometriosis from a nutrition perspective, I did want to invite you to my free masterclass on the four most common nutrition mistakes that I see my clients make that you can easily avoid to optimize your fertility. It's a free 60-minute masterclass that you can watch at any time, and you also get a bit of a goodie at the end if you stick around my Choosing a Prenatal Supplement Mini e-guide valued at $37. So if you would like to secure your spot for one of these masterclass sessions, then head on down to the link in the show note, and I can't wait to see you there. Now on to today's episode. So this episode idea really came about from an Instagram repost that I did of a great colleague of mine, Ebony Cremary from Project Nutrition. Her handle on Instagram is hormone.nutrition. Her post showing the overlap between PCOS and endometriosis in terms of signs and symptoms and how they differ. And I just got such an overwhelming response to sharing this post on my endometriosis focused Instagram page, endo.dietitian. So I wanted to talk a little bit about navigating both PCOS and endo from a nutrition standpoint today. But before I do, I do need to obviously define what each of these conditions are and where they do cross over. So If you've listened to season one, you know what PCOS stands for, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it is characterized by three core diagnostic criteria. The first being an irregular cycle or an anovulatory cycle. The next being polycystic appearing ovaries on ultrasound, which is basically lots of follicles, not actual cysts. And the third being signs or biochemistry, so lab work showing excess androgen levels. So these are our testosterones in particular, which can cause the excessive hair growth or hirsutism, the male pattern baldness, the acne, and can feed into insulin resistance as well. So that's what PCOS is all about. On the flip, endometriosis is slightly different. It's a chronic inflammatory reproductive disorder, which basically 
means that endometrium-like cells are going rogue and growing outside of the organs and it can grow anywhere in the body. And this can often cause pelvic pain, vaginal discomfort, gastrointestinal symptoms, pain during bowel motions, urination or sex, um, a wide variety of symptoms. But there are many people that actually have both. And so navigating the dietary pattern for both an endometriosis and PCOS-friendly diet is understandably challenging. And I will go into some of those key challenges in today's podcast episode. But just to be abundantly clear, those two conditions are not mutually exclusive. You can have both. And just because you have one doesn't mean you automatically have the other. So it is important to be checked out properly by your GP or primary care physician and your gynecologist to make sure that you are very clear on which diagnosis you have, if it's these two or something else, to make sure that you're managing your health optimally. Now, There is some crossover between these two conditions, particularly in the fertility world. We do know people with PCOS and endometriosis are more likely to experience delays to conceiving. Um, We also can see sometimes heavy periods with both of these conditions because with PCOS, if we're having really long cycles, the uterine lining is really building up and leading to a heavy period. And with endometriosis, um, we don't necessarily get so much irregular periods traditionally, but we can get quite heavy menstrual flow. So this is an area of crossover. Fatigue is a symptom for both PCOS and endo um, and probably one of the most challenging symptoms to budge as well. And also increased incidence of mental health concerns, depression and anxiety in particular can occur in both PCOS and endometriosis cases as well. So there is some areas of crossover, but what is really important to remember is that PCOS in isolation does not cause a painful period or Uh, intensely painful ovulation. So if you are experiencing pelvic pain, significant period pain, significant ovulation pain, it's time to get checked out with your gynecologist and make sure that endometriosis has been explored as an option to rule out. Okay, so that is a little about each of these conditions, how they're similar and how they're different and why it's so important to get a proper diagnosis because Ideally, we want to know for sure which one of these you have or if it is both to tailor your management plans, both from a dietary perspective, but also medically and otherwise to enhance your symptom management. And if you're trying to fall pregnant, to optimize your fertility. We also know a key factor that I talked about in last season's podcast that underlies both PCOS and endometriosis is a higher incidence or higher reporting rates of irritable bowel syndrome or IBS. So we do know people with PCOS and endometriosis, both categories have an increased risk of IBS-like symptoms. And particularly there has been no studies done, but I can certainly say from my experience working with clients with both conditions that there are a lot higher chance of having some gastrointestinal concerns like bloating, gas, constipation, diarrhea, and so on. So navigating both is no walk in the park, but it can be done. And we do need to make sure we're screening properly for irritable bowel syndrome as well after we've ruled out more sinister concerns like inflammatory bowel disease and celiac disease and diverticular disease with your medical team. 
All right, enough about all the medical side of PCOS and endo management. Let's talk a little bit about diet. So one of the best dietary strategies that works so well for both conditions is an anti-inflammatory style of diet. Now, I get so many DMs about diet and inflammation. It is all about a dietary pattern, not a particular food. So when we are talking about building an anti-inflammatory style diet, we're talking lots of colorful fruit and veggies, extra virgin olive oil, rich in antioxidants, herbs and spices, and oily fish. So these foods are high in antioxidants and micronutrients, high in fiber, and also high in omega-3 rich fatty acids, which we know are anti-inflammatory. But this is all great to incorporate these things. But if we're having too many foods that potentially are not the best for inflammation, like excess amounts of alcohol, excess amounts of saturated fats found in butter and fatty bits of animal meat and processed meats and coconut products and so on and processed foods, then it's probably going to be a little bit out of balance. So it's all about the context of the diet and supporting more foods that favor more antioxidants and less foods that are going to potentially counterbalance the role of those beneficial foods. Now, it looks different for everybody, but that is a good general starting place. And obviously, we need proteins and grains and dairy foods as well to complement our diets. But those are some of the key foods that you can start to focus on to foster an anti-inflammatory diet, which is beneficial for both endometriosis, as I said, it's a chronic inflammatory condition, and also PCOS, because we do know to a degree PCOS does have an inflammatory component as well. The next thing is I get lots of questions about soy, particularly for those who both have PCOS and endometriosis. So soy is always a controversial food in the field of women's health in particular and hormones because soy does naturally contain its own plant estrogen called phytoestrogen. And we know that endometriosis has a higher occurrence rate of high circulating estrogen levels. So it kind of made sense to everybody to go, well, there's enough estrogen if you have endo, so therefore phytoestrogens being coming in can't be good. But we do have evidence to suggest that phytoestrogens may actually compete with high levels of circulating estrogen and lower our response rate to our natural estrogen, which could be potentially beneficial. And we know for PCOS that phytoestrogen intake, soy foods and so on can actually be quite beneficial for the metabolic aspect of PCOS like cholesterol management, for example. So it's not a black and white answer here whether soy is in or out if you have both PCOS and endometriosis. It really depends on the context of your diet. So for example, if you're a vegan or vegetarian, you may be relying more on soy to provide you with adequate protein. So obviously, if we eliminate that, you are going to be left with very little protein uh, at all if you're a vegan in particular, um, which could cause more issues <laughs> in terms of malnutrition. So we don't want to have this restrictive cutout mindset, but we need to weigh up the pros and cons for you personally, and that should be done in an individualized consultation with a dietitian. Now, another piece of the navigating both PCOS and endo puzzle is navigating the high androgen levels due to PCOS and also the estrogen excesses 
usually due to endometriosis. And so we need to build out a bit of a plan that helps attack both of these concerns because they're both important in terms of managing not just your cycle and pain and um, ensuring that you ovulate regularly, but also for your metabolic health because androgens and insulin do have this quite a tight relationship and so will kind of feed into each other as well. So Working on that with a healthcare provider with some targeted strategies is going to be really, really, really important. And it looks different for every person as well. So that's an important consideration. Another thing is a moderate carbohydrate intake, mostly focusing on slow release carbohydrates or low glycemic index carbohydrates. And that's great for PCOS in terms of navigating insulin resistance and keeping your blood sugar levels balanced. So instead of having jasmine rice, having basmati rice or clever dungara rice or brown rice is a better option. Um, Making sure that your portions are appropriate for your activity levels and always choosing higher fiber alternatives, leaving the skin on your veggies and so on, making sure you're balancing your meals out well with enough proteins and fats and fiber. That can all help with blood glucose balance and that's going to be favorable for PCOS in particular, but certainly doesn't hurt endometriosis management either. So focusing on those whole grains and the fiber intake is going to be so key to not only your blood sugar balance, but also your gut microbiome and the flora that live in there because they love lots of different types of plant fibers in your diet. In fact, we know that diets that feature over 30 different plants per week have been associated with more diverse gut microbiome compositions, and that is optimal for favorable health outcomes. Now, why is the gut microbiome at all a topic when it comes to PCOS and endo? Well, both conditions are starting to be explored uh, when it comes to the gut microbiome. So we're starting to see potentially modifying the gut microbiome can be beneficial for PCOS in a favorable way. And there's been research looking at probiotic therapies for PCOS management and then endometriosis, we're starting to understand there might be a unique kind of signature of different groups of bacteria that live in the gut that are distinctly different for those with endometriosis versus those without endometriosis. So potentially there's something to say about that as well. And then you've also got the layering on top of that of the increased risk of digestive concerns, as I mentioned earlier, around IBS. And we know that optimizing dietary variety and also the gut microflora variety and diversity is so important to help mitigate some of those IBS symptoms. And then if that isn't helping, then having a look at some more specific strategies with your healthcare provider, particularly a dietitian who actually understands all three of these, all three of these conditions which is us here at The Dietologist, right? So that's what we can help with um, around gut health for both PCOS and endo. So that is a bit of a brief insight into PCOS and endometriosis nutrition management and how to navigate that. It's not simple, it's not straightforward, but hopefully this episode has given you some food for thought around what strategies you could start to explore on your own and where you need to be getting some further support as well. 
So that is a wrap for today's episode of Fertility Friendly Food. Don't forget to save your seat for my masterclass. The link will be in the show notes below and leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you can receive the episodes as soon as they go live on your preferred podcasting streaming platform. I'll catch you in the next episode. (laughs) 